As we gather for worship each week, uh, we are being reminded that God cared so much about us, cared so much about the brokenness of the world, cared so much about us having forgiveness for our sins that he actually became man and dwelt among us. And in Jesus, we have life, we have it abundantly, we have it everlasting. So here God calls us to worship this morning. This is from Luke chapter 2. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, and you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of a heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom you have a copy of the scriptures with you this morning, if you would turn to Ruth chapter 2. Um, it's also printed in your bulletin for you uh, as well, too, as we continue to, to take a look at this story, uh, this Old Testament story of Ruth. But before we dig in, uh, uh, a couple of things. One is, is this. If you find yourself at any point in time during, uh, during the, the sermon um, and you're like, John Paul sounds a little bit differently than he normally does. Um, it's because I have an ulcer right on the tip of my tongue, um, and, and if, if, if you've been with us for a while, I'm pretty sure that exactly a year ago I had the exact same thing happen and was preaching um, as well too, but it's all good. I'm numbed up, um, so we should, be, we, should be good to, we should be good to go unless I, you know, it starts getting really bad. Second thing is this. Dave mentioned uh, the Christmas Eve uh, service. Um, but here's what he did not, uh, did not mention about the Christmas Eve service. He kind of got ahead of himself a little bit, uh, cause I'm preaching that evening and he said 40 to 45 minutes, but it's going to be more like two hours. Um, that's, I'm just kidding. Um, no, it, it will be, uh, 40 to 45 minutes. We would love to ha have you join us, um, at our Winterville campus for our Christmas Eve service. But all that said, um, we're coming to the book of Ruth. This is week two. Uh, in this book, uh, last week Dave walked us through the first chapter um, and introduced us to this idea of redeeming love and how in Ruth and Naomi's story that we see in the beginning of this that, that, that God's redeeming love is always saturated by grace. And we got to see that as Ruth connected her life with God, connected her life with God's people. And where we come to this morning in chapter 2, Ruth and Naomi are back in Bethlehem. And uh, we're going to read the first 16 verses uh, of chapter 2. But it, before we read it, this is an incredibly beautiful story. Um, as, as I've been studying, we've been studying the book of Ruth and looking at it, preparing for this and everything. It is such a beautiful story of God's compassion of God's redeeming love. So let's read this together, God's word. Let's take, take this in. Uh, take the beauty of what God is doing here in, in Ruth chapter 2. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. 
And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping. Go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. Let's pray together, and ask God to help us understand his word this morning. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we know that we are a people who need understanding. We need you to open our eyes and our hearts to your redeeming love through this story, through this encounter that we see between Ruth and Boaz who've come long before us but are pointing us to your Son and our Savior Jesus. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you would help us to see our Savior Jesus this morning that you would help us to see God's redeeming love to us. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, As we read this this book of Ruth, we are really kind of invited to look in on on how God and to watch uh, how God's redeeming love is unfolding in the lives of Ruth and Naomi. Um, And that's kind of what the whole big picture of the book is. Uh, What I want us to do this morning is is I want us to dive in and and look at the depths of God's redeeming love in two parts in this story that we have in front of us. The first part is the fields, and then the second part is the meeting. So let's start with the fields. Uh, Ruth and Naomi, they are back in Bethlehem at this point in the game. And verse 1 of chapter 2 introduces us to a new character in the book, a man named Boaz who happens to be from the line of Elimelech, the man that Naomi was married to. And then it turns from there back to Ruth and Naomi and an interaction that they have. And Ruth says to Naomi, look, I'm going to go get us some food. Um, They've gotten back to Bethlehem. Um, They're getting to surviving now. You know, remember Dave talked about last week how incredibly marginalized 
their lives would be coming, uh, coming back and everything. And so they get to surviving. Ruth says to Naomi, I'm going to go and I'm going to glean uh, from the fields. And this word glean uh, has significance for us. Uh, because uh, gleaning was actually a part of, of God's law in the Old Testament. And the idea is this is that that property owners who had land, and it was an agrarian society, so they grew crops and everything. Um, As their crops came in and they harvested them and everything, uh, the property owners were supposed to leave the edges of their fields with the grain that they were harvesting. And the reason for doing that uh, was so that the poor and the widow and the marginalized and the sojourner Uh, would have food to eat. They were to leave it there so that those people could come by and could pick it up and and would have food um, to eat. And so that's what uh, Ruth is going to do. She's going to glean uh, from uh, from the field. She tells Naomi of whoever will allow me to come and glean um, at at the field, basically. Uh, When she says to, uh, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. So she's saying to Naomi, whoever's going to let me glean, that's where I'm going to go. And then in verse 3, we see that Ruth happens to come to Boaz's field. And this word here, happened, is put there so that we, you and I, the readers and the hearers uh, of this story, would know that there's actually no such thing as happenstance. Just as Dave talked about last week, this, is, this story is a story of God's sovereignty, of God's control, of God's redeeming love, his provision. And so when we read that, we are supposed to be thinking to ourselves, ah, there's no such thing as coincidence here. Ruth happened upon Boaz's field. No, what we're supposed to think is that God is orchestrating something here. That God is orchestrating something between Ruth And Boaz, and spoiler alert, God is orchestrating redemption. That's what he is doing here as Ruth happens upon the field of Boaz. And then we get introduced to this guy, Boaz, in verse 4. He comes down from Bethlehem to his fields. And the first thing that we see is he comes to his fields and he greets his workers. And he says to them, the Lord be with you. And they respond, the Lord be with you bless you. And in that interchange, we are immediately introduced to Boaz's character, Boaz's virtue, Boaz's integrity here. You see, because Boaz cares about his workers, and they know that. They've experienced that. That's why they say the Lord bless you. They know that Boaz cares about them and cares about providing for them. Now, we need to kind of pull back a little bit and take a bird's eye view of the book of Ruth here at this point. Because as we, as we learned last week, this story is happening in a particular time in the life of God's people in Israel. It's happening during the time of the judges. Uh, and, and let's, I mean, let's just be straight up. That was not a good time for God's people. Okay. Uh, actually it was really bad. You go back, you read the book of judges and, and you would, I mean, I'm not sure that there are a whole lot of movies today that capture the evil and the wickedness 
that we see in the book of Judges um, in God's word. And in, in the book of Judges, it has this continual refrain in it throughout the book. And the refrain is this, is that in those days there was no king in Israel and everybody did what was right in his own eyes. That's the time period in which this story is taking place. A time in which everyone was looking out for themselves and themselves alone. And here comes Boaz into this picture, into this time period, and what we see is a man who cares about God's word, about God's law, that he cares about his workers. He cares that, that there is grain that is left for the poor and the marginalized and the widow and the outsider to come and to be able to glean so that no one would be hungry. What we see about this Boaz is that his relationships are rooted in God's grace and God's mercy and God's compassion. Instead of doing what was right in his own eyes, Boaz is giving himself to people. Boaz is caring for others. Boaz is inviting the outsider in. Boaz is making sure that his workers are taken care of, so much so that they would say, Lord bless you, Boaz. He is a caring and loving man, and in his people, they feel that. They've experienced that love and that care. They want Boaz to be blessed because they know that Boaz is going to share that with them. They know that he is going to take care of them. And then in verse 5, we see an even another layer of this character of Boaz, of this compassion of Boaz. When he comes to his right-hand man and he says to him, Hey, who's, who's that, that woman over there? I haven't seen her before. She hasn't come to glean the fields before. Who is that, that woman uh, over there? And Boaz's right-hand man responds and, and he, says, he says, Oh, that, that is Ruth, the Moabite. She's the one who came back with Naomi uh, from, uh, from Moab. Uh, she is the Moabite who's come back with Naomi, and, and she's here. And, and she came to the field, and, and she asked, could, uh, could I glean here? And we said, you know, we said yes. And she got here early. She's been here all day. She's been working. She's only taken one break. And I think that that's actually kind of interesting there that Boaz's right-hand man like keys in on that reality and that fact. Ruth is a hard worker. She's been, she got here early. She's been here all day. She's been gleaning all day. She's actually only taken one short break, and she's been crushing it out there in the fields. Like she's just been getting, getting after it. And, and we have to understand the layers of what it means that this Moabite woman is coming in here too as well. And this tells us something about Boaz's impact on his workers. That this Moabite woman could come to a field without the owner there and ask, can I glean from this field? Can I get food? I, I'm, I, is, is, it would be possible for me and my mother-in-law to starve. Can I come and glean from this field? And for Boaz's workers, for Boaz's right-hand man to say, yes, come and glean. We have to understand how incredible that is because the Moabites and the Israelites, there is some bad blood there, okay? They did not exactly get along. 
There's a lot of violence between the Israelites and the Moabites. There's, there, there, there's intense racism between the Moabites and, and the Israelites. And so for a Moabite to come and glean the fields of an Israelite amongst Israelites, that could only be possible if Boaz had compassion and grace and mercy toward his workers. In such a way that when a Moabite came to his field, his workers said, sure, you can come here. You can come and glean here. You can get fed here. Only Boaz's compassion and grace towards his workers and outsiders could have made this possible. He taught his workers the same kind of compassion, the same kind of, uh, of mercy. Boaz took seriously what it meant to be a part of God's people. Boaz took seriously God's word that tells God's people, you are to be a vehicle of blessing so that all of the families in the earth will be blessed through you. Exactly the words that God gives to Abraham when he calls him in Genesis chapter 12. Boaz took that seriously. He taught it to his workers, so much so that this outsider coming in would receive food, provision, mercy, and grace, and compassion. And then, then we come to the meeting between Ruth and Boaz. This is beautiful. Verses 8 and 9, Boaz comes to Ruth and he says, Ruth, stay with my women. In, in my field. Don't go to another field. Stay, stay with, with my young woman in my field. Uh, I, I, I've told my, my, my young men to protect you, that there would be no hand that would come upon you. When you get thirsty, make sure that you come to the water vessels that, that, that my young men have drawn water from. And, and, I, and I promise you, Ruth, no one's going to harm you. Stay here. Stay in my land with my people. You are safe. You belong here. Incredible compassion. Boaz cares for Ruth as she, is, as she is his own. He cares for her in that way. And you can imagine for Ruth coming in as an outsider, being afraid, showing up, not knowing what's going to happen. And she's met with incredible compassion. And she responds and in verse 10, the writer of Ruth tells us that she responds by falling flat of her face. Falling flat of her face in front of Boaz. And just a little bit of a sidebar for, for you to consider. Dave got a sidebar last week. I get one this week. Um, what would it take for you to fall flat of your face in front of another human being? Let me think about that for a second. You know, for Ruth here, she gets it. Like, she understands what is going on. There is an incredible amount of generosity and compassion on Boaz's part towards Ruth. And she falls flat of her face and she says, Why, why have I found favor in your sight? I'm a foreigner. Why have I found favor in your sight? And then in verses 11 and 12, it just keeps getting better, y'all. It just keeps getting better because Boaz says to Ruth, he says, Oh, I know who you are. I know who you are, Ruth. I know what you've done. I know what you've done in coming back with your mother-in-law. You didn't have to do that. 
and coming back with Naomi, bringing her back to, to, to her people. I, I, I know who you are, Ruth. You are a woman who has connected her life to God. You are a woman who's connected your life to the God of Abraham, even in verse 11, when he says, you left your father and you left your home and you came here. Very similar to Genesis 12, where God calls Abraham to leave his father, to leave his home, to go to a land that God is showing him. He's saying, you've connected your life with the God of Abraham. You've also connected your life with the God of Israel. And he, and he plays upon what we see in Exodus chapter 19, where God tells Moses to tell the people of Israel, I have bore you up on eagles' wings and brought you out of slavery and bondage. And Boaz looks at Ruth and he says, you've connected your life to that God because you are taking refuge in those same wings. You're taking refuge in the wings of the God who has brought his people out of slavery and bondage. And here's what Boaz is not saying here, okay? Boaz is not saying, Ruth, I am doing this for you because you have done those things for Naomi. Or Ruth, I am doing this for you because you have believed this and believed that. No, that's not what Boaz is doing here. Boaz recognizes that there is something that is greater and bigger and deeper than Ruth's actions and his actions. And that is the compassion of a loving and redeeming God. Boaz is saying, I'm doing this because our God has done the same thing for me. And we've got to connect a little bit of Boaz's life here as well too. You see, because Boaz is a son of a woman named Rahab who we find in the book of Joshua, and Rahab is actually in Jericho. She is not an Israelite, but she is brought into the people of Israel. She is an outsider. She's a foreigner whom God has had compassion and grace and mercy on and brought in. And Boaz is saying, Ruth, I know exactly how you're feeling right now. My mom, she was the same way. She came into a people that she did not know because of the compassion of the God of those people. And for sure, Boaz knew what it was like to grow up with people talking behind his back. Sure, he knew that. He knew what had to be going through Ruth's mind as she is coming here and everything. And, and, and he comes to her and says, my field is your field. You belong here. Stay here. You will be safe. And Ruth recognizes it. She sees it. She says, I'm an outsider, and you have brought me in. And even deeper than that, she's saying, God has brought me in. And then it keeps getting better, y'all. In verse 14, it goes even deeper. There's even another layer here. Because Boaz comes to Ruth, and he says, come eat at my table. Sit with me and my workers. Eat at my table. Be satisfied. Eat your fill. And as a matter of fact, take a to-go box to Naomi too so that she will eat as, as well. Boaz's generosity comes across to us as having no bounds. That his generosity knows no end. 
And he even says to Ruth, you have access to all of my field. He instructs his young man. He says, look, you let her glean wherever it is that she wants to glean. Okay? His, his generosity and his compassion and his mercy and his grace come across to us as just unabounding. It's an incredibly amazing and beautiful story of generosity and compassion. An outsider, Ruth, brought into a relationship that will change her life. And as we'll see a little bit later, will actually change the whole course of history. But what does this have to do with us? Like how do we connect our lives with this story that we read here in the book of Ruth? Well, I think one of the first things that is, that, that is really fascinating about our passage that we have in front of us this morning is that it is one of the few passages uh, in the Bible that we read and we don't see any particular sin struggle that any of the characters have. All we see is a woman in need, a man who's incredibly generous, a man who has instructed his workers to be incredibly generous, and we see that relationship begin to form and, and to bud. In most other passages in the Bible, we can read through it and we can identify, oh yeah, there's that sin right there. There's pride right there. There's greed right there. There's just genuine evil and wickedness, which it's really interesting that this happens during the time of the judges when everything was evil and everything was, was wicked. This man, Boaz, just comes across to us as a genuinely good person. And as a matter of fact, in, all, in, in, in the rest of Scripture, and I, and, and, and I'm, I mean, hear, hear me on this. I might be wrong about this. But I don't think that we can find another person other than Jesus that not a bad thing is said about than Ruth and Boaz. Like, we get, we get nothing. Now, that doesn't mean that they aren't sinners. That's not what I'm saying. They are, of course, they had sin struggles. But the point to come across to us here is that what we can connect our lives with in this passage is we can connect our lives with the situation that Ruth finds herself in, and that is the situation of an incredibly broken world. And you and I know exactly what it's like to live in a broken world. Another sidebar, real quick. Boaz, if you're out there and you're thinking about, you know, I might have children in the future, great name. Go for it. Boaz. Carrie never would let me name any of our kids Boaz. Um, I'm not bitter about that at all. Um, but anyway, so, so, so we, what we can identify with is, is in this situation with Ruth is that she's in a very broken world. We know what it's like to live in a broken world. We know what it's like to feel like there's always the potential of a threat out there. There's always the potential of being attacked. And some of us uh, maybe even know and can understand what it's like to wonder where our next meal is going to come from. And certainly, Ruth is wondering about that, uh, for sure. But we all know what it's like to be an outsider, to feel like an outsider, to feel like we don't belong, to wonder if we're going to be met with rejection or are we going to be met with a compassionate reception? We all know what it's like to have the fear of not being brought in, not being protected, not being provided for, not feeling like you belong. We all know what that's like. 
And we can connect this with our own stories and our own lives. As I was thinking through this this week, it reminded me of a time when I was seven years old and I was sitting in a van and we were on our way up to Sugar Mountain to go and ski. And behind me in the seat behind me was a guy who was 10 years old. He was older than I was. And, and he had a Game Boy, okay? All right, for those of you who are, who are gamers in here, uh, our teenagers and everything, you just have to Google that, okay? Because this is real old school, okay? But he had a Game Boy, which was this thing you could carry around with you and you could play games on. And I was super fascinated by that. Like, I didn't have one. They had just come out and everything and, and all of that. And I really wanted to see what one looked like. And I remember asking him, hey, can, can I see the Game Boy? Can I see the Game Boy? And, 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 and he looked at me and he said, you have to be 10 years old to see the Game Boy. Yeah, and, and, and like, yes, on this side of things, like, yes, I can, I can laugh at that. But you know what? That stuck with me. <laughs> I still remember that. Like, I still remember the rejection that I felt like, like, I, like I don't belong. I'm something less. This person's better than I am. This is not a safe place. This is a place where I'm being threatened, where I'm being uh, attacked. And we all have those stories. And look, even if you move forward past seven years old, you get into middle school and high school, it's almost like middle school and high school is like everything is a potential threat. Like your life is on the line all the time you feel that way. And look, let's be honest, it doesn't stop there. It continues on into adulthood as well too. We all wonder if we're going to be accepted. We all wonder if we are going to be belong. We all wonder if we are going to be received with compassion or if we're going to be rejected. And I've experienced it myself. I've seen it happen in the lives of others as well, too. I grew up in a church that met in a, in a downtown area. And in the neighborhood, um, the neighborhood behind the church lived one of my closest friends. And I remember coming to church one Sunday evening with my dad, and we were walking up. Uh, to the side doors of the church. It was up a, a handicap accessible ramp. And we turned the corner of that ramp and my friend was sitting there and he, and he was sitting down on the ground. He had his head between his knees and, and, and he was crying. He was, he was bawling, crying. And my dad and I, we walked up to him and we said, what, what, what's wrong? Like, what happened? What's, what, what's wrong? And he looked up at us and, and just tears streaming down his face and his eyes. He said, he said, I, I went in there, and, and that, that man at the door there told me that I couldn't come in because I was black. That's probably more like the kinds of feelings that Ruth might be experiencing right here of what's going on. Those feelings of being rejected, of being an outsider, not being allowed in. And look, if you're here this morning, and, and, and that's been your experience in the church like you felt like an outsider, like you don't belong, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hang in there with us. We're, we're all striving to learn by grace. Our blind spots, we're striving to learn how to be compassionate in the way that God is compassionate towards us. Hang in there with us. I'm sorry. But what in our story is Ruth met with? She's not met with rejection. Ruth is met with a compassionate reception by Boaz and his workers. Where they say to her, this is where you belong. This is your place. This is safe. You will be protected here. 
You will be provided for here. Come on in. And that's a great story. It's fantastic. But you know what? If we stopped there, we would actually miss the deepest and the widest connection of this passage. Because just as Ruth was a shadow of Jesus last week, Boaz is a shadow of Jesus for us this week. And as a matter of fact, this whole book is a shadow and a forerunner to Jesus. Jesus is the one who is truly merciful and truly compassionate. We know what it's like to feel like an outsider, to be an outsider. And some of us have experienced that in deeper ways than than others. I will never know how my friend felt that night. But we all know what it's like to feel like we want to belong, but we don't belong. And we deep down recognize that something keeps us from the belonging that we really, truly, deep down, genuinely desire. And that is to be known and to be loved. And the Bible shows us and teaches us that what has happened in this world is that our sin has brought immeasurable brokenness. Immeasurable brokenness. Immeasurable feelings of not belonging. Immeasurable feelings of rejection. And we've experienced that. But you know what's also true? We've made others feel rejected too. The things that have been done to us that are so painful and deep and hurtful, we've done the same things to others. We've offered threats instead of compassion. We've taken when we could have given. We've made others feel unsafe, not protected, rejected instead of received. We've done those things too. And as we've already said, we have certainly been on the receiving end of those deep wounds too. And we're all trying to find where can we bring our brokenness and where can we bring our sin and be known and be loved and not have to fear and lean into life out of insecurity. And in Jesus, here's what happens. In Jesus, beloved, we happen upon a field and we find morsels of compassion. And we find people who invite us in to hang around and say to us, come here, eat here, get your food here. And we encounter an irresistible owner so compelling of the field that we have happened upon in Jesus. And he comes to us and he says, stick with me. Stick with me. I will give my life for your sin. I will be rejected so that you will not. I will be cast out so that you will belong. I will give my life for yours. I will provide redemption. I will heal the deep wounds that you have of the sin that's been done to you. I will protect you and I will bring you into my house and you can sit at my table. And you can eat at my table and you will always be satisfied. And you will know that my redeeming love will always overflow to you in an over abundance. This is what Jesus does with us. We happen upon his field and what we find is compassion and mercy, his life for ours. 
This is exactly what Jesus does for us. And this is exactly what the story of Ruth and Boaz are pointing us toward. God's redeeming love. That God would actually become man. That Jesus would go to the cross. He would trade his life to redeem ours. And he invites us in. He says, bring all your sin. Bring all the times where you have rejected and where you have threatened and where you have chosen not to show compassion. Bring that in and also bring in the deep wounds where you too have experienced rejection and know that you can find a home in my death, a home in my resurrection. And know this too, it doesn't stop there because yes, I'm purchasing your forgiveness, but I'm also going to work in my compassion and my grace into your heart to be the kinds of people who are compassionate, who are merciful, who receive instead of reject, who bring grace and mercy instead of threats and hurt. He promises that he's going to grow us and work into us his compassion. And he says, take refuge in my Find safety in me. You are an outsider no more. You belong. Come to my table. Eat my food. Experience my redeeming love that provides everything for you. And so hear this and take it in. Know that it is true because it has been blood-bought and strive this week to live in light of this truth. That the Lord, he will bless you and he will keep you. His smile of compassion this week will absolutely be upon you and he will be gracious to you. And this week and this month and in the age to come, everlasting forever and ever and ever, his presence is with us and he will make us whole. He will give us his peace. It is true. As far as the curse is found, Christ's blood covers it all. Go in his peace.